The following podcast contains language that some people describe as unsavory, but the first definition of savory is belonging to the category that is salty or spicy rather than sweet. So I guess we use unsavory language because it's so damn savory. Hello and welcome to episode 300 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Today on the show, we talked about a personal statement that started out really well and then kind of crashed at the end. Um, really, really well, though. Like one really, of the best personal really statements well. yeah. we've ever read. Yeah, it was good. Uh, so thank you for sure. Thank you to Jake for sharing. Um, it was really great. And he had us sold until the last paragraph. And then the last paragraph just totally sucked and needed to be cut yeah. entirely. But it was great up until then. So thanks. Yeah, we had a pearls versus turds mm -hmm. about writing addendums yep. for <laughs> for score increases. Yep. And then uh, we did a logical reasoning question. That was it. We did. We did oh, a, and uh, we a strengthening question. About the, uh, the days of in-person... <laughs> dingy LSAT classes. <laughs> you know, it's episode 300. It's a, I think we're allowed to do a little bit of reminiscing. Uh, a lot has changed over the past year. And, and even more than that has changed in the course of 300 episodes of thinking LSAT. So yeah, we did go into the Wayback machine a little bit with uh, stories from our old classroom classes, which, uh, which was fun. Yeah. This will air on Monday, May 31st. Um, the June LSAT is just around the corner on June 12th, starting June 12th, Friday, July 2nd. So two days before Independence Day is the August LSAT registration deadline um, for that test, which will start August 14th. Um, if you have not heard about Nathan's, well, June, I guess, even at this point, still uh, June and August LSAT study groups. They meet on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. All you have to have to join that study group is a demon free account. So it costs just as much as this podcast, which is nothing. You should be going to that. It's what, an hour or two hours? Yeah, it's an hour okay. and uh, it's mostly just Q&A, but, you know, everybody's on the same path. Like the the one that we're going to do today yeah. is uh, is going to be a lot about the go, no go decision mm, on whether they should take the June test. Um, I haven't been allowing people to ask that question in the study group up until today yeah, cause you can't because yeah. you didn't have to make that decision until, uh, let's see, two days from now. Yeah. So. You know, it is the day to make the decision whether you're going to actually take that June LSAT yeah. or reschedule it for free to August or October. So that's I'm sure we're going to have an hour worth of that discussion today. And so far, yeah, that uh, community really it's a community of people who are, you know, studying for the next upcoming LSAT. And it has led to extremely productive discussions. Um, once the June LSAT comes and goes, I'll start a new one for the August LSAT and it'll be free and just sign up with a demon free account. Yeah. If you're studying for the LSAT and you listen to this show, I do not know why you would not join that unless you just absolutely cannot meet at that time. It's like having a study buddy who knows everything about the LSAT. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, I, I just, I think the class has a lot to offer. Uh, as always, they help out, you know, help each other out in the chat and stuff. And it's, it's awesome. So hope everybody will come. Yeah. Say hi. All right, let's jump in.
So we have a personal statement from Jake. Uh, I'll read this email. We haven't done a personal statement in a while. Yeah, it's been a while and, uh, you know, it's getting to be that type of time of year where everybody's thinking about wanting to get their applications in in September. And yeah. uh, so I figured we'd do one. Oh, I'm excited. So Jake writes, hey guys, thanks for answering my email on the show a few weeks ago. I'm the former car salesman that went from a 156 to a 171 using the Demon. You mentioned that you'd love to read a personal statement about selling cars. Here is my first attempt. I'd love to have you read it, even though I know it will be throat <laughs> punched so hard, I will feel in real time. Um, yeah, no problem. <laughs> you know, At least you know what you're getting into. Uh, you want to read this one? Sure. And this is from uh, Jake. Also, uh, yeah. you can please email the show, uh, help at thinkinglsat.com. We we get more, frankly, we get far more personal statement requests than we possibly have time for on the show. Um, but questions, comments, uh, Jake, you know, he had originally written us asking for advice a few episodes ago, we gave him all that advice. And one of the things we said was shit. Yeah, absolutely. Write your personal statement about selling cars. I'd love to hear that. And, uh, yeah. he gave it back to us. So <laughs> thank you, Jake. All right, here we go into the wood chipper for Jake. Yep. I sold cars for six years. Every day was different, but my goals were always the same. Find a customer on the lot, Get them to fall in love with a car. Convince them to go for a test drive. Commit them to buy. Negotiate a deal. Prepare the paperwork. And send them home excited about their purchase. In most cases, the process would begin with a customer telling me they were, quote, just looking. Over time, I realized just looking really meant I don't trust you and I want you to know that right away. I loved the challenge of sales. People are defensive with salesmen, so finding ways to build trust and sell a car is a lot like solving a puzzle. Over time, I was able to master this process and become the top salesman at the Subaru dealership that I worked for. And that's the end of the first paragraph. What do you think? <laughs> I think it's, uh, I think it's great. Um, there are little things I tweak, but the first sentence, I sold cars for six years, it's short. It's about Jake. It says something that Jake did. <laughs> so it's really easy to get into um, the scene, I guess you could say, and start to know who Jake is. And that's what a personal statement is supposed to do in less than two pages, right? Or not very much space on the page. And Jake is diving right in. I also like that because Jake is talking about car sales, which is something that a lot of people probably have negative feelings about, um, yet he's giving us this angle of like, this is all the stuff I did and this is the science or the puzzle behind it. And it just makes it seem more of an interesting thing than I might initially think when I first hear the idea of car sales. Yeah. And I think Jake originally had shied away from the, from using car sales as his topic for his personal statement. Yeah. Because, Oh, well, you know, it's just car sales and people think that car sales is like sleazy maybe, or they think that it's, yeah. 
you know, they, they think it's like shady and well, do you know what else people think are sleazy and shady? <laughs> like there's two professions in the world that people use as an example, when they need to pull <laughs> a joke about a sleazy profession, it's always yeah. car sales and lawyers. Yeah. They're very similar. They're yeah. like, I don't know. I really think everybody should watch better call Saul. God damn it. Is that a great show? And in better call Saul, I mean, you see Jimmy McGinty going around, uh, who later becomes Saul Goodman, but you see him, you see him like harassing the DA for on, cause he's a, he's a public defender, like a contract mm -hmm. public defender. And you see him just mm -hmm. like, just chasing the DA down the hall. And he's always in the bathroom with him. He's like chasing him into the men's room <laughs> to like, yeah. to try to get him to give a deal, like negotiating on behalf of one of his clients, you know? And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, you, it is like, you are like being a pain in the ass. You are chasing someone yeah. down. This person doesn't trust you. This person knows that you're, that, that there's a, like a somewhat of an adversarial nature to your relationship. And yes, they are on guard. Yeah. But there's a science, as Ben said, there's a science to like breaking that down. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I like this quite a lot. It's personal. It, I is the subject of many of these sentences. Why would he run away from six years worth of selling cars? You know, instead, it's just like right there in the very first sentence. Yeah. And especially because he was successful with it, right? He's able to say, "Oh yeah, I got good at it. I was, I became the top salesman at my dealership." Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. There's a lot more here than I would expect, uh, and I'm excited to read it. I would just tell you quick, Jake. You got to put your periods inside yep. of quotation marks. You're pulling a. British style uh, format here as you apply to an American law school. Um, also, that that second sentence, I, I'm on the fence as to whether it was too long. Um, it was a long, long list. I had to catch my breath halfway through it. Yeah. I, I do like that he's covering all these things. Like, hey, look, there's more to car sales than <laughs> just you know, milling around a lot, trying to well, talk to people. Nothing wrong with breaking but, that into two sentences. Right. And, yeah, and the intro somehow. to that sentence, every day was different. Might not yeah. need that. Might not be that. My goals yeah. were always the same colon. Uh, yeah. Could have been a period. Then the next sentence, you could break it into two. Um, I'm okay with the colon. Cause it feels like an end to me. Okay. You know, it feels like a period, but that that list like yeah you had to catch your breath it just was like whoa yeah seeing what is this one two three four five six seven item lists is extraordinarily rare most lists yeah. are three yeah when he said how did you feel about it ben when he said i loved the challenge of sales i was like well we don't we generally don't talk about feelings right like we don't we don't as a rule, we, we don't really want to know what you think or what you feel or what you want. We want to know what you do, what you did, who you are, you know, like facts, but it kind of fits. Right. And, 
and it's like well it introduces the next sentence it's short i i actually didn't even think twice about good. it until now you mentioned it me too yeah. yeah on the one hand i wanted to attack it but on the other hand i was like yeah but you know like a little bit of seasoning it, it works and i also think that you know it what's awesome here and i bet he'll do the opposite of this later but what's awesome is that he's not forcing the conclusion that the reader already is drawing, right? The, mm. the reader at a law school is like, oh shit, car salesman, successful car salesman. We can make a lawyer out of that, mm-hmm. right? Like they're, the, the, they're drawing that, that inference already. Yeah. And he's not, my car sales skills will successfully <laughs> position me to be an attorney. It's like, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. let them, please let them draw that inference because it's going to be so much more powerful if they draw it than if you draw it. Seriously. Um, just so, yeah, it's over the top. You know, your seasoning analogy, I wanted to talk about yeah. that for a half second. I think that's a good analogy because basically what people are doing <laughs> when all they do is tell you what they loved, what they feel, what they're passionate about, is they're giving you like a plate of seasoning. Yeah. Without any steak, right? Yeah, it's a fucking like salt steak. sandwich. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, with a little... <laughs> or just salt, right? They're like, here's my salt. You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Can you actually cook a meal? So... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no. I So far, I mean, man, if I had a whole stack of these things, this one's different. This, this one, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to settle in for this one. You know, I can just imagine myself sitting there at my desk being like, oh, cool. Like this guy. I mean, in my mind, I've already admitted him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's so funny. We were just reviewing someone's thing the other day. I can't remember now. But um, ah, man, sometimes within the first sentence or two, you're already like, oh, my God, your eyes are rolling. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't matter if they recover later you're so biased against them uh you're almost like looking for the negative yeah which Which could have happened it could have happened with this if he would have done that thing that i'm talking about if he would have been like really heavy-handed with that conclusion right if he would have made bold claims Mm -hmm. about his promise as an attorney i would have been like easy dude calm down i'm gonna be the judge of that but since he didn't make that conclusion now i'm already like showing him the front door you know before now I'm sure he's going to get to that stuff and we're going to have to say, cut, cut that. But yeah, <laughs> um, I think this is a wonderful start. Uh, let me point out one more phrase here. It was at the very end of the sure. first paragraph. Um, he said, I, I was able to master this process and become the top salesman at the Subaru dealership that I worked for. <laughs> That's unnecessary. Well, he could have said at my Subaru dealership. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's a, a pretty strong first paragraph. I, I really like that the sentences are short. And it, although it's a nice mix, right? There's a whole bunch of short sentences. And then there's that one really long list. Yeah. But it, I don't know, it just kind of works. Yeah. All right. Second. Ooh, I like this. Just glancing at it, right? We see a second paragraph that's really short now. We see we have two sentences in this second paragraph. Mm hmm. I was eventually promoted to internet sales manager sales manager at the dealership, which you don't need at the dealership because we're already at the dealership. So I was eventually promoted to internet sales manager, 
which meant I was responsible for capturing leads from the internet and converting them into sales. Seems a little redundant. Uh, capturing leads, obviously, from the internet. I also don't love these kinds of sentences where people talk about what they were responsible for when you could just say what you did. Um, you could start this by, instead of saying, I was eventually promoted, you know, again, there's the promotion story. Yeah. Reason people like that. You could just say, as internet sales manager, or if you want to show a timeline here, because it's like, or, you know, after I was promoted to yeah, internet when sales I was manager, promoted to internet sales manager, I yeah. captured leads and yeah. converted them. Well, or, now he's, you know, uh, let me get the second sentence out here because he's, okay. he's now going to introduce yeah. a problem, right? Um, so, okay. So he, again, he went, I was eventually promoted to internet sales manager, which meant I was responsible for capturing leads from the internet and converting them into sales. Our dealership had been significantly underperforming on closing deals from internet leads, and I was tasked with solving the problem. I would just say my job was to solve the problem, or I set about solving that problem, or something like that, because I don't like the I was tasked with. Yeah. It's the same it's the same idea as I was responsible for. It's um that implies a boss who put you in that position of responsibility and I would rather see you taking that responsibility. So just go ahead and yeah. start solving the problem, I think. Yeah. I do like that the dealership had a problem and you're going to go around and solve it. Love that. I so I would shorten this all to something like this. When I was promoted to internet sales manager, our dealership um, was or had been significant, or I don't even know if I'd say significantly, had been underperforming uh, on closing deals from internet leads, period. To solve this problem, comma, I did X. You could also just flip these two sentences, right? The first sentence could have said, our dealership mm. had been significantly underperforming on closing deals from internet leads, period. Yeah. I was promoted to internet sales manager, and set about this solving this problem, period, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And then get into what you did to solve the problem. I started yeah. by reviewing how the dealership was using its internet sales budget. I found that the majority of the funds were going to third-party lead generators that were not resulting in a proportionate number of sales. As a result, I had to cut ties with some of the companies we had been doing business with for years. These were difficult conversations, but they were long overdue. The savings allowed me to expand the dealership's internet presence with new vendors and to negotiate exclusive partnerships with these companies so that our competitors wouldn't be able to use the same services. Okay, content-wise, I like this. Uh, one thing I would say is I keep like stumbling over small <laughs> sure, like grammar and stylistic mistakes. So I think everyone, including Jake, should run their... Uh, personal statement through Grammarly. I mean, it's free and they're going to help you catch a lot of these like easy things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like a missing apostrophe on dealerships, internet presence, yeah, a missing, a missing hyphen between third party. Um, that little I stuff. Also just don't love the phrasing, right? In a proportionate number of sales. That sounds very LSAT-y. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Overall, theme wise, I really like it. Uh, you know, the idea that 
I mean, yeah, hard conversations. That's definitely something that lawyers do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you had to just kind of bite the bullet, go in and fire all these people. But it, you know, it, it seems like you did it thoughtfully, respectfully, like you, you're acknowledging your company had done business with them for years and it was a difficult conversation, um, but you did it anyway. You know, it's like that sort of, yeah, I am ruthless. Like I'm, I'm serious. I'm hardcore, but I'm not like a dick about it. Um, I like all that. I do like it. And I would say, Jake, um, as soon as I start jumping over your <laughs> Or going after your style or your grammar, that's precisely because the content was good to go. Because yeah. we have to solve the content problem first. But once the content is there, the next question is how do you present it as seamlessly as possible? And, and these style things also aren't nearly as they're not they're not like so glaring that we can't even read it, right? It's not like no, no, no. It, 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 the I really like the. I feel like. Jake either worked on this really hard or just has a kind of a pretty strong a natural. natural writing style. It's, it's conversational. It just flows, you know, it just comes, I feel like Jake's just kind of talking to us about it, which is yeah. exactly what I'm really I want. What I'm, what I'm trying to do is take your, your paper stylistically from an A minus to like right. an A, A plus, right? Right. Like some of these phrases, by the way, and just for anyone, it says, I found that the majority of the funds, the phrase, the majority of can almost always be cut and just replaced with one word most. Yeah. Uh, and there's things like that where you can just polish it and tighten it. And that gives you more space for yep. other things. I'd love yeah. that this thing is short. It's only like a page and yeah. a half and that is totally yeah. acceptable for me. You know, again, I'm sitting Absolutely. in my office with my feet up on the desk reading this personal statement and it's like the only one that is an actual interesting story <laughs> that I've read all day. That it's the only one that's different from all the rest. And I've already decided that I'm going to admit this dude. And, and now it's short and I'm going to get it done fast and it's not two pages squeezed out <laughs> to the edge. Just keep it tight and get out of there. You know, you've already yep. sold me and you're a car salesman and you, I'm sure, understand better than anybody else that when when they're already buying, shut up, right? Like, shut that's, up. That's right. You stop talking. <laughs> that's it. There are two paragraphs left, which is great. They're both kind of long, which is not so great. And it's like, you know, this is where we'll see if Jake is going to lose the sale or or not, because he's already got it for sure. Yeah. Yep. All right. I then identified a problem with how our salesmen were following up with internet customers. Salesmen are trained to focus on activities that will help them sell cars quickly. Consequently, they would pursue leads for three four weeks. You would probably write that out. Three, the word would, three yeah, or seems kind of four. Informal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'd yeah use the words. Yeah. Yep. Three, the words three or four weeks and then yeah. move on if they hadn't closed the deal. The problem with this strategy was that a large portion of customers from the internet are months away from purchasing a vehicle. The result was that salesmen were discarding valuable leads prematurely and essentially wasting our resources. Which makes sense because you had already invested in the lead generation in the first place. And so this lead, you know, it's like worth money and it is like actually going to productively turn into a sale. And these guys are just walking away from them. Uh, to address the problem, 
I created a follow-up protocol that kept the salesman making contact with internet customers for a minimum of six months before they could drop them and move on. As a result, our closure rate increased dramatically, and within a year of being promoted, I was able to double the internet sales rate of the dealership. I'm like actually smiling. I'm like, this is, yeah. you fucking did it. Oh my God. This is a home run. Yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> you're doing what we ask you to do, which is to say what you did, say how, and by doing that, you're going to say how you did it. And then instead of saying I was great, you just tell us the facts, <sighs> which scream you were great so much louder and clearer then I was successful or whatever. Yeah, and I really, I also love that it's like, there's a problem, right? And then in the back of my mm -hmm. mind, I'm like, I really want a solution to the problem. Yep. And then it's just like right there in the same paragraph, it's just delivered like, boom, yep, solved that problem, yep. doubled our sales yeah. on that one. And, you know, and just like, and my mind, it's like, I'm satisfied. It's like there was, a, you, you created a little itch then you scratched the itch and it feels good. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh mm -hmm. yeah, this is, this dude is in. Yeah. Becoming the internet sales manager put me in a position to review and negotiate contracts with vendors. I loved that aspect of my job, semicolon. It was intellectually stimulating, but it was only a minor part of what I would do on a daily basis. Hmm. I don't love that second sentence. Yeah, this is the weakest part we've read so far. Uh, surprise, surprise. The sentence with a semicolon in it is your worst sentence. <laughs> semicolon privileges have been revoked. They were revoked three years ago. <laughs> this is everyone. episode 300 and <laughs> you don't get semicolon privileges back on episode 300 of the Thinking Elsa podcast. Um you're telling here, you know, it's like, it's again with, I, I, I liked it earlier when you said you loved the challenge of sales. Uh, but yeah, now you're like telling me you where... loved another thing. It's like, all right, it's too salty. Yeah. It's starting to get too salty. <laughs> it's a good analogy, but I also think what he's trying to do here and it's starting to seep out. It's starting like your, your sales tactics are, once they're exposed, lose their power. Um, I, to me, it seems obvious that you're trying to show, look, I loved reviewing and negotiating contracts just like lawyers do. And it's like, eh, yeah, I can see too hard. I'm reading ahead where this is going now. And it's like, it, it, this is, boy, this statement would be so much better if you just cut this entire final paragraph. So here, here's where Jake, he's yeah. already won. He's already oh, got he's, he's the sale. Third. Yeah. He, I'm buying, now man. He's not shutting up. <laughs> I'm buying. I'm like, where do I sign? And instead of letting me sign the paperwork, Jake goes on with, I loved the challenges of becoming the top salesman and getting the dealership's internet sales back on track. But as time went on, I became convinced that working in the car business would not be a fulfilling career for me. What? 
No, no, no. I I was smiling, dude, in the last paragraph. Now I'm like, uh, oh, oh, you don't actually like doing this stuff? Dude, you don't need to tell me that you don't like it. Leave me thinking no. that you were totally successful, but now you're applying to law school and I'll be like, absolutely. Yeah, great. Let's do it. Law school. Yes, sure. That's better. I I'm happy to, I'm not going to like, oh, but why do you really like, do you, you don't have to, <laughs> that's like, are you sure you don't really like your ex-girlfriend better than me? <laughs> you know, like you have to explain to me why you left her. Yeah. Before you come, before you get into a relationship with me, I need to know that you really didn't like that last one. Yeah. I don't yeah. want that. <laughs> like, no. And even that sounds, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's like, there's a difference in life between going to something better because you're excited about it and, and going to something different because you didn't like what you were doing before. Right. In, in in the one case, it's like focusing on like, oh, I don't like this. I'm searching for something else versus, oh, I like what I'm doing. But hey, this looks awesome, too. And maybe even more awesome. So I'm going to move in that direction. It's a much more positive, I don't know, momentum as opposed to this. Oh, I didn't like it. So I'm out. I mean, it may be another analogy. It's like it's like Jake's already sold me on the Subaru Outback and I'm ready to go sign the paperwork. And then on the way to go sign the paperwork, Jake's explaining to me how he really wishes that he, you know, I, oh, well, I really wish I sold BMWs or whatever. It's like, <laughs> you know, it would be so much better if I was selling BMWs. I mean, they really are so much nicer. It's like, yeah. what? I, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I guess here's what I really want to say about it. We want winners. I want a winner in my law school, right? We want attorneys yeah, and, and who are going to win. Goes all, run, runs to the finish line full speed. Well, it just, I want you, it, it's great if you happily are kicking ass in a car dealership. And, you know, and if I, if it comes across, if I think about like, man, you know, maybe you really should uh, just stay in the car business because it sounds like you're killing it in the car business. And, but but that's not my job. If I'm a law school admissions person, my job is to convince you to come to law school. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I just, just, just leave it at the, I've been super successful in what I do. Yeah. Well, I know you're applying to law school. You don't need to explain. And, and I've already drawn, I think what Jake's doing here is that he, he's protesting too much about his own story, right? It's like, he thinks, that the school isn't willing to draw that inference of, oh shit, you kicked ass as a car salesman and then an internet sales manager and then you know, whatever else at your dealership. And that they've already drawn the inference of like, oh wow, he, this dude's got a lot of skills that are going to really translate well to the practice of law. They've already reached that yeah. conclusion, but Jake doesn't understand that they've already reached that conclusion. So then Jake's trying to now force back that force that conclusion back in. Mm -hmm. just don't need to do at all. We, they were, they were already there. Okay. So then he, you know, he's now he's like introduced this bummer of like, Oh, well I, I, I reached the conclusion that working in the car business would not be a fulfilling career for me. So now the reader's sad. I wanted to learn mm -hmm. more and expand my knowledge beyond car sales. So general. 
it's just who gives a fuck? It's not about learning. Yeah. I know I don't want to hear yeah. how you want to learn about the law or whatever. <laughs> like that's not <laughs> that's not what you're getting yourself into, dude. You want to you want to sell more shit. That's what you want to do. <laughs> you know, you want to sell different shit. You want to sell the innocence of your client or you want to sell the guilt of the accused or you want <laughs> to sell whatever, but you, I don't want to hear about what you wanted to learn or expanding your knowledge. It's super vague. Any 21 year old could have written that. Um, this next sentence has to go. I'm interested in learning the legal side of business and crafting legally binding contracts. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Don't say legally binding contracts. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's, just like, that's such a bad... <laughs> Ben's laughing because <laughs> having been to law school, it's just like, yeah. what? Your reader is like, oh, wow. Yeah, you, you don't... You don't Ima imagine know. this for a second, Jake. <laughs> you sign a contract, and then as you walk out the door, you turn around, you say, "Is this legally binding?" <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted clarification on that. Well, it's like literally nobody knows what that means, unless you're a person who actually litigates contracts like this. So it's <laughs> cut all that. And cut. don't revise yeah. it. Don't rewrite it. Just cut it. It's just gone. We don't. Those oh, ideas. No, it's getting worse. Those, these getting I, worse. none of these ideas are going to make the final cut here. Um, I read ahead. Sorry. Attending law school will allow me to learn more about contract and business law and develop the skills necessary to negotiate contracts professionally. Oh, cut it. I believe my experience as a salesman and sales manager will give me a unique perspective. He used the word unique. Give me a Ugh. unique perspective that will enhance my ability to succeed as a law student and eventually find a career in business and contractual law. Contractual law. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, Jake, you wrote the best personal statement we've ever read on the show until the last paragraph, which is awful. And just the entire thing needs to go. Yeah, it really needs to go. Imagine, Jake, someone in the parking lot is telling you, oh, uh, owning a Subaru would really help me get to and from work. And <laughs> I could, you know, also take my my kids to soccer practice. As a salesperson, you'd be like, I don't give a fuck. Just sign the fucking papers. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. He. Oh, man. Don't tell the law schools their business yeah like you don't like please don't talk about legally binding this and that and uh, i don't know you're just boy you're the whole that whole final paragraph i would not keep any of it i, I would cut the entire thing i'm perplexed too because you capitalized your title in this paragraph but not previously so it's almost like someone else came in and wrote this last paragraph the other jake you have jake and then the other jake yeah i think jake needs to you know he he really could um you need to realize jake that the person who's reading this is a salesman the person who's reading this sells law school for a living yeah 
And yes, it's true that they need to have a certain qualified applicant, but your LSAT score is gonna, it either is or is not gonna qualify you for this school. And if your LSAT score does qualify you for this school, then they're basically gonna wanna sell you their law school. And the first four paragraphs of this statement are beautiful. I mean, they just, if you would have stopped there, it would have been a little bit abrupt if you would have just said, uh, our closure rate increased dramatically. And within a year of being promoted, I was able to double the internet sales rate of the dealership and then just drop the mic. Yeah. It would have been like, oh, that was sudden. Yeah. But I would have been like, you know, like, what's your brand? What's Jake's brand? If I'm going to sell Jake to other people on the admissions committee, it's like, hey, this guy kicked ass in car sales for six years. He became internet sales manager. He doubled their rate of internet sales. This guy's a killer. Yep. Bring him here. They're just going to be like, this guy's a winner. He's, he's a winner. He's a, he's a professional, you know, car sales is internet sales manager. We can call that a professional, whatever that even means, yeah. but you kicked ass in business. You successfully sold cars uh, as you acknowledged in the first paragraph, people are so resistant to that, but you did it and loved it and were great at it. The, all these conclusions that you're trying to force into the last paragraph they already got there and you're all you're doing is undercutting a sale that had already been made would you propose ben like a one sentence final paragraph i would i was i was actually just trying to think of that what what would i say um one more paragraph the, the previous paragraph had been pretty long like seven sentences yeah a one sentence final paragraph would be all you need to do. Yeah. You know, it's like a, let's go sign the paperwork. I mean, I don't know what to say. I'd have to think about it, but something, even though it's a little, it's a little empty, it would still be light years ahead of this last paragraph to just say something, you know, I look forward to pursuing law school in the next phase of my career or something like that. Like it, it would end it and at least it would be over and it wouldn't be abrupt. But what if you just lean on the sales thing? Like, like he's got to shut up about the contractual law and the bind legally bind crafting yeah. legally, bind. just don't say any of that, dude. What yeah. you need to do is you need to make the tie between sales and law. That's the, that's the really important part. But don't try to pretend that you're going to be some brilliant master of drafting contracts. Yeah. You got to lean on the sales part. Even if that's not what you really want to do with your legal career, I think you need to position yourself as a like as a litigator or like a a deal closer. Yeah. Um which, by the way, I think that there are far more litigators and deal closers than there are people who craft legally binding contracts. I mean, isn't that mostly <laughs> boilerplate anyway? Um, yeah. So what about something that's just like, uh, maybe you could say like, to me, the ties between sales and law. I'm looking for a way to just kind of like acknowledge that you understand that they understand that there's a connection there. I hope that my skills uh, 
as a salesman and sales manager will serve me well in law. Okay. Um, I would replace the word skills with experience. Maybe. Okay. Just because something about saying skills seems. Yeah, you could say background. I hope that my background as a salesman and sales manager will serve me well in law, period. Drop the mic. You're out of there. Because what we really wanted is to just end it at that last paragraph. Yeah. Maybe I'd replace the word hope with like. You could just say it as a fact. What about just as a fact? My my background as a salesman and sales manager will serve me well in law that's a fucking fact by the way that's true Uh, the reader's not going to argue with that my background as a salesman and sales manager will serve me well in law period yeah i would definitely toy around with different sentences but i completely agree that one sentence at the end wrap this up tie it to but Obviously, what we're doing, applying, and don't that's it. claim a unique perspective. Stop talking about the legal side of business, the legally binding contracts, wanting to expand your knowledge. We understand that you're applying to law school. It is a transition. You actually have no idea what it really is until you're there, yeah. and you make yourself look naive if you pretend otherwise. Focus on your actual background, the shit you know, rather than the shit you clearly don't know. And so just say something like that. Uh, For now, I would delete that whole paragraph, put in there one sentence. My proposal, (laughs) just so you can look at it, my proposal is my background in sales, my background as a salesman and sales manager will serve me well in law, period, would be a major upgrade over what you have right now. Yes. So play with that and then, you know, you can change it a little bit, but overall it was an a minus until we got to that last paragraph which downgraded (laughs) it to like a b yep but it has the easy potential we could in an afternoon we could make this into an a or an a plus great job jake absolutely yeah thanks for sending it in nice to have a good Um, one for episode 300 yeah it's unusual These things are hard to write, I guess. Yeah. All right. So next is pearls versus turds. Uh, The scoreboard right now is 14 pearls, 45 turds, and 23 ties. Here's where we take advice that people have heard elsewhere and want to know whether it's true. And Molly writes in here and says, hey, Ben and Nathan, is this true? I've seen this advice on a couple of different Facebook groups, but never heard you guys mention anything like this on the show. Thanks, Molly. Um, Okay, how much of this do we want to, I guess, read? I guess we'll read the whole thing here. Oh, yeah, I mean, I've already read it. You know, it's, while it's great to recognize, uh, sorry, while it's great, to retake by the way where did this come from instagram it looks like is that instagram facebook maybe i don't know actually yeah i don't use either of those so it's some maybe internet instagram. yeah who knows i don't know it says while it's great to retake the lsat in the hopes of improving your score many schools view increases of more than three points as an irregularity to help offset raised dash eyebrows you would never put that's a random dash 
that's just a dash between two words. Just ran, just sprinkle it in there. I don't know. <laughs> Put it in there. Anyway, to help, <laughs> whatever you think, to help offset raised eyebrows, simply write an addendum. It can, it can slash likely should be just a paragraph explaining whatever led to your increase in score. I'm already skeptical, but then listen to this. For example, were there distractions the first time you took the test? Did you simply devote more time to studying slash preparing? Did you have an recently diagnosed ailment such as testing anxiety, etc.? So <laughs> there are three different examples there. And I do think that they kind of should be addressed independently of one another. I can't imagine lumping those okay, things together. So, <laughs> no, absolutely not. I think the biggest problem with this advice, so I'm going to give it a turd right now, is that it's inviting people to write an yep. addendum, but not giving them directions as to what they should write about. And that is where people are going to bury themselves. They are going to write the stupidest reasons and then any help that may have been gained from this addendum is going to be completely lost. And now they're going to sound like an idiot. Um, I think addendums are these landmines. Is that the right <laughs> phrasing? Uh, for, there's these traps for people. They, they start like, what yeah. is it? Um, I think in the uh, spycraft world, it's called like vomiting information. Like you just start you know, mm -hmm. revealing all this stuff that you shouldn't reveal. And it would have been better for you as it was for Jake to shut up. Yep. Well, like for background, law schools only care about your highest score. The reason why law schools only care about your highest score is that the American Bar Association only cares about your highest score. They literally require law schools to disclose the highest LSAT score of each member yep. of their incoming class. That's the information that gets put into their 509 reports. That's the information that gets sent to US News. US News doesn't have your lower LSAT scores. US News only has the highest score for each person in the incoming class. US News then turns around and uses the highest LSAT score from each member of the incoming class to create highly influential law school rankings that the schools are very interested in. So if the American Bar Association and US News only care about the highest score, then law schools have a huge incentive to only really care about your highest score, which always leaves me scratching my head. Why is it that these admissions folk tend to say, well, no, I mean, we just true. We, we, we use your highest score, but if we, if we see an increase of more than X points, you know, it, it does raise our eyebrows. They literally use that phrase. You know, we sometimes yeah. we'll raise an eyebrow. And I wonder why they even say that. But what you just said, Ben, mm -hmm. bringing up spycraft, it was like, well, maybe what they do is they just kind of say that to see whether you'll disclose something that you basically should not disclose. Absolutely. You got an accommodation. Including <laughs> the elephant in the room. Yes. If you say, oh, I scored a lot higher because I have a recently diagnosed ailment, such as yeah. 
anxiety, ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, depression, whatever it is, if you disclose that to them, they're, they're legally not allowed yeah. to ask you that because of the yeah. Americans with Disabilities Act. They can't ask you that question, but you might yeah. just volunteer it. <laughs> it's like a spy. You, you couldn't get any information out of them. And then you're just like, before you let them go, you're, you're like, <laughs> anything else you want to tell us? <laughs> and the, the spy's like, well, I mean, the code is uh, <laughs> whatever. It just No, they just... Uh... They just raise their the eyebrows that... as they're leaving. Hmm? <laughs> and people are so panicky, they just like start vomiting information. <laughs> this is garbage. This is this is a turd. This is a this is a double turd. I wish I could give it two turds, but we already updated the scoreboard. Um if you please do not disclose that to them, because then they'll immediately go, oh yeah. See, they had a 150, and then they had a 150, and then they had a 160. But see what they said here in this addendum, that they have a recently diagnosed ailment such as testing anxiety. And then they'll go, what that means is they got accommodations the last time they took the test. So, yeah, they have a 160. And again, that's, that's all U.S. News about. and the American Bar Association care about. So maybe that's all the school cares about. But to the extent that they actually do give a shit. This addendum would only hurt you. It would never help you. It's not like they're going to go, oh, you scored higher because you got a, because you, you, you got a accommodations. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. great. Now yeah, we understand. Was, my eyes great. were, <laughs> my eyebrows were raised, but now they can come back down. Um, it would make, no, it, that would make it worse. Yeah. It's well, like, see, that's, you don't, that's the thing is that, okay. It, they're legally <laughs> not allowed to discriminate on the basis of that. <laughs> information but that's not going to stop them from discriminating because they're saying wait a sec i got a 160 here from someone who supposedly does not have accommodations and i have a 160 here with someone who does have accommodations um you know i i'm not just submitting your 160 to us news and world report i'm also betting on you as a successful student here at this school and frankly someone who didn't have twice as much time as you did is probably in a better position to succeed. I, these other reasons, I mean, saying there were distractions the first time you took the test is like a, it's just kind oh, of a that's lame the thing. That's, that's where everybody's got excuses. To sound really like naive or petty or yeah. Like a cry so baby. It's better not to say anything. Nobody wants to hear yeah. about that shit. Just don't say, yeah, nobody wants to hear about that shit. How about this one? Oh, did you simply devote more time <laughs> that to studying stupid and preparing? Too. I wasn't like, ready. If that's what you said. Yeah, it makes you look like you're naive and you weren't ready the first time. And you're like, well, I realized that I actually had to <laughs> study for the say, LSAT. So I did. I, I realized like, the that's test not is a, harder than I thought it was. How's that help like, your case? Okay. We don't want to go on your journey with you. Here's the thing. <laughs> no. Um, so rule. We're going to give you the straight advice do not write an addendum simply because your score changed even if it changed a lot Us <laughs> literally everyone who takes not literally everyone but if you take the test multiple times it is extremely likely that your score is going to yeah, change by three points one number. way or the I mean, other people change by 10 <laughs> points yeah <laughs> this would apply to everyone like almost everyone who took the test multiple times yeah. would be having to write an addendum no no it's okay so anyway, don't sorry, write an addendum even if your score increases a lot you do not need to do that do not communicate with them about this 
I have heard that schools ask occasionally. If they do, the answer is always the same. My practice test scores indicated that I could do better, so I took it again. Period. Thank you. Done. Yeah. Nothing else to say. Yeah. Yeah. Write the show, help at thinkinglsat.com if you ever have an experience where that doesn't work. But yeah, I would wait for them to ask for it. Or maybe if their application specifically says, you know, yeah. we require an addendum for anybody who had a yeah. score increase over X. But in that case, if they require you to answer that question, it's a stupid question for them to ask. Except I think really maybe it's a genius question because the reason why they're asking it is to see if you'll disclose something yep. stupid that you don't have to disclose. So maybe it is like genius. And and I, I got to think that these days, now that everybody gets accommodated who asks, um, now that everybody gets accommodated who wants accommodations, it's maybe smart of them to ask to yep. see if you'll just so disclose. Better assess your numbers. And if you do, yeah. you lose. So that's dumb. <laughs> and... But yeah, wait for them to require you to answer that question and then just say what Ben said, which is my practice test scores indicated that I could do better. So I took it again <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. You do not need to say anything more. God, that's bad advice. Oh, dear God. Be careful what you read on the internet, y'all. There's, well, right now, again, to recap the scoreboard on Pearls versus Turds, this is episode 300 of the show, Ben. We've been <laughs> doing Pearls versus Turds for at least a couple hundred episodes and we have 14 pearls against 46 turds and 23 ties and the ties are basically turds so we're looking at a you know maybe one quarter success rate yeah. on all of the advice that has been submitted to the show by the way if you want to submit a pearls versus turd candidate you can email help at thinking or you can find us on social at thinking lsat cool all right thanks for sending that in molly um Last week's lesson, you wrote this. You said online LSAT is better. Yeah, I did um, because I believe it to be true. Okay. You can subscribe to these at thinkinglsat.com um, if you want to get a weekly uh, email from me with uh, tips and stuff. This it's just this week was kind of a shift. I, I shifted gears a little bit because I was just thinking about like, hey, COVID is not over, but kind of over everybody who's wants to be vaccinated is vaccinated and the world is clearly opening back up. And if we wanted to, we could start teaching live in person LSAT classes again. But, uh, I don't know, Ben, maybe you've changed your mind about this, but do you find, do you think you're going <laughs> to start commuting to downtown DC again no. to teach uh, live LSAT no. classes? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, I did skim some of your uh, email, or maybe I read the whole thing, um, but there were some points that stuck out to me precisely because I couldn't agree more. Um, you were talking about the inconvenience of, of commuting to class. Once you're there in class, you're kind of waiting for <laughs> you know this whole thing to happen. Um, and then it's a three-hour ordeal because it doesn't make sense to only meet for an hour, but you can do that online, right? Right, all the time. I didn't even put that in my column. I didn't. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I can, we can drop in. You can drop in and out for a one-hour LSAT class 
with no with very little switching costs, right? I mean, you're in a literally in a work meeting and then you just like tab over to LSAT class. Absolutely. In one second, and you're in LSAT class now and you're there for an hour and then you're gone. Well, let me let me expand on this for a second. Um as a business owner of an in-person class for over a decade, right? Um yeah. the class that I taught was an attempt to teach people the LSAT as best I could under the constraints that are completely unrelated to the learning and success of the student. Now, you might say that sounds, um, you know, devilish or something, but it's the, it's the reality of the situation. I'm sitting here trying to figure out how can I teach someone and yet I have to reserve a room. We all have to gather and meet in that room has to be a certain size to accommodate a certain number of people. And I remember that I chose that we would meet once a week because that sort of made the most sense given, oh, the other thing was, I remember the class started at 6.30 because starting it at six meant that people wouldn't be able to park outside the building. But after six, they could start parking there. So I started the class at 6.30 so I could grab people who were you know finishing work, but then could also park. Um, when I had the class starting at six, people would park on the street, wait for the six o'clock time to kick in and then run into class. Right. So then I moved it to six thirty. But my point is, is that we were trying the best we could to work within the constraints that we had given the nature of in-person teaching in the middle of Washington, DC, but it's not helpful, right? Like when you're trying to think about what's the best way to learn, you create a class that's targeted at what people need to study and at their skill level. And online, we can do that so much better. And if you look at the demon, right? I mean, it's crazy how many classes we have every day. That that was impossible under the old model. In live LSAT classes, you have to shuffle for seats. You have to bring your coffee. You have to bring your snack or whatever. People would be, I'm sure in your class, people would be eating dinner, eating dinner. in your class at 6.30. And other people, oh, I, I wish I could have some of that. Or that smells like shit. Why do I <laughs> have to sit next to that? That's <laughs> gross. Um, then an hour later, you would have to stop and take a break because human biological functions required it. You can't mm -hmm. just keep going. Yeah. I mean, you can just keep going and then people have to Get climb over their neighbors yep. and make noise and distraction and whatever. If you do take a break, then everybody's like lined up for the bathrooms um, or, you know, whatever it's, you take a five minute break, but it takes 15 minutes to get people in and out and resettled. Where's the bathroom and key? I couldn't find it. Someone else has it. <laughs> so much bullshit like that. Yeah. Um, explaining where the bathroom is, explaining where the coffee is, explaining oh but that starbucks across the street is the world's slowest starbucks so maybe you want to go to the other one around the corner um i mean ben and i could each tell just like teaching live teaching stories for forever then when you end the class you have to everybody has to commute all the way damn home mm -hmm. instead of just shutting the zoom and instantly being home yeah None of these wastes of time occur online. It is vastly more efficient. I mean, like, it's got to be 100% more efficient. At least. 
there's no way if if you taught a if you taught and i mean geez if you tried to teach a one hour lsat class there would be two hours of commuting for that one hour class yeah and, um, and substituting teachers right things come up people got to find someone else to teach for them bam doesn't matter where you are in the world i can take that class i'll teach it you take care of your shit <laughs> i would uh there are so many things that are better about online. So many. Did you ever use name tags in your classes? You know, there was a time I think that I did. Um, it like was those, a hassle. I just would give them a piece of paper. Yeah. They would write their name, fold the yep. thing and put it on their seat in front yeah. of them so that yeah. I could like, it would help me to learn everybody's names. Yeah. yeah. Or, or the name charts. Did you ever do that? Like where you, like first yep. day people are saying the seating chart, writing pass it, it around, then yeah. try to get people, Hey, can you sit in that same seat next yeah. time so that I can have a better chance of remembering your name on zoom? It's all automatic. Everybody's just labeled. Yeah. <laughs> it's your first day in class and I'm able to refer to you by name yeah. because it's just says it right there, helpfully in yeah. Zoom. Yeah. Um, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> bad seats. Did you ever have people who like in my tiny classroom that I taught in in San Francisco, which I really loved actually, but but there would be like seats in the front corners yeah. that that had a hard time seeing it the was whiteboard. Too much of an angle. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Bad angle, yep. lighting issues. Yep. Um, Squeezing in and out of chairs. Class gets fuller, which is exciting, but then it's like now it's like harder to fit everybody in there. Um, the the uh, the back row would sometimes, if depending on the shape of the room, the back row would be like way back there. Yeah. I'd be like yelling to reach the people in the back and you know, I could barely see their faces and I could tell that they could barely see the whiteboard. And yeah, it's just was real easy for people in the very back row to space out. Plus people who pick the back row seats are more likely to space out. Um, none of that happens online online. Everyone's in the front row. Yep. If you make a call, if you, if you unmute yourself and talk to me, your face just jumps onto my screen with your name yep. and I'm like looking you in the eyes. Yeah which I could never do to someone who was in the very back of my class. Uh, you can turn up and down my volume so that it fits you perfectly. Yeah. You can blow my face up or down as suits your preferences. Yeah. A kid comes in the room and needs your help immediately. Mute. Help them. Come right back to class. The world is perfectly fine. Yeah. And then the God, there, I mean, there's a million things. The one thing that I, well, one of the many things that I didn't anticipate about teaching online was um, the zoom chat feature is just unreal. Like it, it, oh, it yeah. changes, changes the game as far as live LSAT instruction is concerned. Mm. I can't imagine going back to teaching a live LSAT class without having a chat available mm -hmm. for, for the class. Yeah. What do you mean? They can't, help each other what do you mean they can't silently have this group conversation yeah that i by the way dip in and out of yeah right like i, I i'm teaching the class so I, it's not like i'm reading the chat constantly but when i say okay do this question and i give you 90 seconds or two minutes to work on a question i can then go look at all the conversations that you've been having in the chat I can participate there silently in the chat if I want to, yeah. or I can, when I come back on the mic, I can 
say something about the conversation that you've been having in the chat. The students are amazingly helpful to one another, which in the live classroom is a fucking pain in the ass. It's a distraction and it sucks. Yeah. There's two girls that I'll never forget because they sat in the front row. They were really good students. They were working really hard but they would just whisper to each other because they were working on the question. Yeah. They were helping yeah. each other, but they were helping each other in a way that I could hear. And it was a distraction when I was trying to talk. Now the whole room is doing that in the chat. By the way, if you hate the chat, you just hide the chat. But if you want to participate in the chat, then you participate in the chat. If you want to have private conversations with each other, you can do that in the chat. If you want to send me a private a private message, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I had a girl one time, Ben, in one of my classes, hold up a sign from the back of the room. She held up a sign to me. It was private communication to me. What is it? In the analog world. It said, dude, your fly's down. <laughs> <laughs> dude. <laughs> I was like, whoops, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that was helpful yeah. but uh on zoom you could you can add like a question that you're too embarrassed to ask yeah a private joke that you want to make my if if our classes are big we tend to have tas in our classes mm -hmm. these days mm -hmm. so now we've got a professional extra teacher tagging along yeah who can answer questions and have private conversations in the background while the class is going on they can share links to lessons we have, links to recorded classes we have. It's just so much better. If you're thinking about signing up for like whatever local Kaplan class, please don't. That would be a tragic waste of money, money? and tragic waste of time. Well, it's so weird because you're wasting time as you've as you've mentioned commuting to and from the class in the class itself the class inefficiency um, within the class, but it's also odd that you don't get as much time, right? Like it's like you're wasting all this time, but then you're also not even just getting that much time because you can only meet once or twice a week in person. And then it's like, okay, that's enough <laughs> meeting in person that's going to take place with the demon. You can meet every day, multiple times a day. Not that, you should do that. That's a lot of uh, in per or like live class, but you could and you can. Yeah, and um, you know, boy, the old days. Somebody's sick. Oh yeah. People would like tough it out and come to class, and other people would get sick. Get everybody else in the room sick, or they would have to miss class because they were sick. Yeah. Sorry, I can tell you what we talked about. Maybe I recorded some some clips and maybe I uploaded those and maybe you can watch them later on, on the demon. All of our classes are just we have a process where they're just all recorded. They're all posted. You can see Within every hours. one of our classes. If you subscribe now to the demon, I realized this yesterday that if you subscribe now to the demon live, there's over a thousand hours worth of recorded past classes. Holy that are available. You can yeah. watch all of my classes since the beginning of Demon Live or all of Ben's classes or yeah. all of any of our awesome teachers. You can choose and you can binge them if you want. Yeah. It's all just there. 24 hours a day. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I It's fantastic. And I guess the most important thing, which is the thing that really matters to our students, and it's the thing that really matters to us, is that the results from all of this are better. Yeah. <laughs> like we're I, I used to always say, Oh, well, yeah, if you do a two or three month class, we would expect you to improve by ten points. Yeah. And I still do say that. But now it's just like there's so many times, so many people who are like, oh, well, I started at 137 and now I'm trying to stay consistently in the 160s. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, really? Yeah. That's a 20, you're looking at a 25 point improvement and you think you have room for more? Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing cool. the demon for two and a half months now. It's like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's insane and um anyway i do think it's wildly better to study for the lsat online and uh yeah when people call me and you know i, I really was hoping that you're going to bring back your live class in los angeles and i'm like sorry <laughs> that ain't happening but i will tell you yeah. that you could take my live class tonight online <laughs> from my house to your house and we could just get to work. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how about that? That's the other thing. It's like, well, when does your class start? Yeah. Oh, well, my next class starts in uh, six and a half weeks. Yep. <laughs> and you can register for it now. You better because it's filling up. Oh my gosh. So that's, almost, you better that's register for the class anxiety. six weeks in advance. <laughs> like, oh, this class is, is four weeks out and this is how full it is. And, you know, we got to get so many more people and. Oh my God. People, uh, circumstances change and they, you know, they've paid, they've signed up in advance because the classes would fill, right? Yeah. So the class would fill, yeah. so, which means that, well, I need you to sign up and pay yeah. because the class will fill. Yeah. And so, okay. And I've got limited seats, which I also don't have online, but I've got limited seats. And so I've got to get you to sign up and pay in advance. And then if you change your mind, you're, you just, you're going to get married. You're going to travel the world. Somebody in your family gets sick. A million other things happen. Now it's like, oh boy, now I've got to try to like fill your seat with a replacement student. Oh my gosh. You know, do, I had so should many I give you a refund or not? I want to, but I'm going to like lose out on that seat. It's not going to be filled. This whole big complicated thing. Now it's a subscription model and you can just like unsubscribe. Uh, <laughs> like you I'm were done. subscribed for a while. Like, by the way, don't subscribe in advance. Subscribe on the day that you want to start. Yeah. Do you want to start today? Okay, good. Subscribe. Yeah. And now you've got a one month subscription. And if things change, you could just unsubscribe. And it was like you were there, got as much out of it as you could get out of it. Yep. During the time. I don't, God damn it. I mean, all right. We don't want to make the whole show about this because we could go on for hours. But well, I just, I did want to reminisce because I, I do remember like, you know, when the business started, it was like trying to get classes full. But then once it got to a point where every class was filling up, it was a new kind of anxiety because it was like, I'm turning people away because I can't fit them in the class. But then I knew that there would be a certain number. It's always like one or two who three weeks into the class, like something happened, you know, a family member needed help. or So they're asking to get out of the class and you're like, dang, I just said no to these people. And they're, it was like managing wait lists and oh my gosh, it was just such a, <laughs> such a process. No, it's like, yeah, hop into Zoom. Oh yeah, we could take a hundred more people if you'd like, so. This is just amazingly better. Yeah. Um. Okay, that's, 
enough of last week's lesson. Well, you got a logical reasoning question. You up for this? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm definitely up for it. Let's do it. Uh, this is um, test 73, section two, question six. Yeah. Um, the way we did the last one, I I was able to just read the question and not comment yeah. the entire time. Yeah. Um, Want to try that again? Sure. Okay. Test 73, section two, question six. Yep. Critic. The criticism of the popular film comedy Quirks for not being realistic is misguided. Okay. That sounds like the conclusion. I'm going to put my money on that. Saying something is misguided, saying a, a criticism of this film for not being realistic is misguided. Sounds like a conclusion. So I expect evidence to come explaining why saying it's not being realistic is misguided. It is certainly true that the characters are too stylized to be real people. Okay, so the critic is actually agreeing that the characters are too stylized, whatever that means. For some reason, I'm kind of imagining like cartoonish to be real people. Okay, so the critic agrees. They don't look like real people. That could be problematic, but in this case, the resulting film is funny. Okay, so the author continues, or the critic continues to agree. Yeah, that's or that could be problematic, but in this case, the resulting film is funny. Uh, okay, so I guess for some reason, the fact that it's funny somehow matters? I'm not totally sure about this yet, but okay. And that is the important thing for a comedy. Okay, so the critic is saying the important thing when it comes to comedies is to be funny. This film is funny. So even though it is too stylized to be realistic, it's not realistic. Even though it's not realistic, it doesn't really matter because what matters is whether or not it's funny, and it is funny. So that's why the criticism for not being realistic is misguided. My rebuttal to that would be, Okay, but it still is not realistic. I mean, you even conceded that. Uh, but I, I'm sympathetic to this argument because if the important thing really is about being funny and this one is funny, then maybe that other thing doesn't matter. Uh, that's where I'm at. Which one of the following principles, if valid, most helps to justify the reasoning in the critic's argument? Oh, okay. So this is a strengthening question. And my concern is, hey... I mean, it actually is not realistic. So I need to know that we shouldn't judge things about a film that are outside of what's important. So this critic said that being funny is the important thing for a comedy. So does that mean I, I shouldn't criticize other things? Um, if an answer choice says, yeah, you should only focus on the important things for a comedy, that would help me a lot. Okay. A, films should be judged on how well they accurately capture the world. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's the opposite <laughs> of what I'm looking for. Um, the The 
criticism was about the film not being realistic. And this critic even acknowledged that the film is not realistic. So if films should be judged on how well they accurately capture the world, then we should be focusing on that failure to be realistic, not on the fact that the film is funny. So this would weaken the argument. B, films are successful as long as they are popular. Okay, this never talked about popularity. just talked about whether or not it is funny. I don't know how many people think it's funny. So I don't think this is relevant. Um, all right, let me push back there. It said popular in the first sentence. Oh, I missed that. The criticism of the popular film comedy quirks. Films are successful as long as they are popular. Okay, I... Again, I don't really feel like this is about, I, I would still say I have other issues with B. It's not a, about, well, films are successful as long as they are popular. I mean, it doesn't really touch on the, the reasoning. So I guess I'm not sure about this one. Um, C. Yeah. Film comedies should find their humor in their stylistic portrayals. Okay, well, that's where they should find their humor, but it doesn't say anything about whether realism matters or not. So I don't think this helps at all. Okay. D, films are successful if they succeed within their genre. Okay, so similar to B, this is talking about films being successful. This, if they succeed within their genre, and the genre here is comedy, and it says that the important thing for a comedy is for it to be funny, and this film is funny, so we know it's succeeding. Um, I like this better than B because although they're both talking about the films being successful, this is actually going to the premises that the critic states as fact. So I know this is true. Um, I guess I know that the film is popular too, but I like that this supports the reasoning used in the argument. E, films should try to stay entirely within a single genre. Okay, this isn't about being in one or multiple genres. We know this one's in comedy, but so what? Even if it did stay within that genre does that mean we should or should not evaluate what's realistic about the film um doesn't talk about it so that's out so to me it came down to b and d and i feel like d is better because it ties right into the evidence that the author used to justify his or her conclusion yeah good yeah correct i mean i think this is a a, a kind of tricky as far as questions number six are concerned. Oh yeah. Number six. Most LSAT questions do not have two possible answers. Strengthen questions are the one category I find. Yeah. Where there there's sometimes there's like a sort of a weak second best. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often though. More often than not, there's one clear answer and no other even possible credible answers. Yeah. I do think that the reason why B is wrong here is that it does, um, it, you know, B's like, it basically ignores the critic's argument. Yeah. It's like, well, you said it was popular, so it's successful. So that's it. Yeah. 
that doesn't really strengthen the critic's argument. Also, yeah, now that we're talking about this, which one of the following principles, if valid, most helps to justify the reasoning in the critic's argument? That's a, you know, I wouldn't I usually don't distinguish between questions that say which one of the following principles, if valid, most helps to justify the critic's conclusion versus helps to justify the reasoning in the critic's argument. But this one, they did specify the reasoning, which invites us to look at that link between the premise and conclusion even closer even more closely yeah. than normal but i i do think that that's the game it's yeah. pretty rare that it's like well that's the answer because it strengthens the conclusion no sometimes maybe that's the answer but most of the time you have to actually help the argument that was made yeah right like because it's because it's always like a reading comprehension test yeah i could almost see like a test writer because you know they're so precise about all this stuff unlike elsac yeah. That maybe they they just clarified that in the question to double down, right, on any sort of like pushback that someone might have. Well, that they put justify the reasoning, reasoning in yeah. the critic's argument. Yeah. yeah, I think that a default we should I think default presume that on a strengthen question we are being asked to strengthen the reasoning yeah. in the argument. Absolutely. If it says strengthen the argument, you're probably being asked to strengthen the reasoning in the argument, not just the conclusion. Yeah. Um, it's never, it's and, never something that I think about. I'm just thinking about it now because we have this like slight nuance right. and it's like, yeah, I could see them doubling down just to make it right. perfectly clear. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you read all five answers and if you did narrow it down to B and D, which I think would happen a lot here. Yeah. If you narrow it down to B and D, I mean, B just is like, well, you said it was popular, so therefore it's successful. But it's like you're ignoring the whole thing about it's a comedy the important thing for a comedy is to be funny. This movie is funny. You're ignoring all this other evidence. Yeah. Right. It's just like a, it's like a simplistic, like kindergarten version. Well, you said popular, popular equals successful. Boom. I win. No, you, you didn't, you didn't actually make the argument win. Mm -hmm. And the argument here had the whole thing to do with, you know, adding in, Oh, well, because it's a comedy and that's the important thing for a comedy. Yeah. And if we add in films are successful if they succeed within their genre, which yeah. here was comedy, yeah. then, okay, so then these critics are misguided. Yeah. Sure, it's unrealistic, but it's a comedy. It's funny. That's what's important for a comedy. Yeah. Films are successful if they succeed within their genre. And so the correct answer here turns out to be D. Yeah. All right. You think that was, uh, did we give them their money's worth for episode 300? We always do. <laughs> you always get no more and no less than your money's worth here at the Thinking LSAT podcast. Uh, <laughs> I would definitely like to thank everybody before we wrap it up. Okay. I would like to thank everybody for bearing with us for 300 episodes. Um, we started this whole thing on a totally on a lark. Yeah. It was your idea. What was it? Seven years ago or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and just basically like, hey, what do you think about a podcast? Sure, whatever. And we just kind of did it. I said, hey, Nathan, can I buy some of your books? And you're like, yeah, you want to do a podcast together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's basically what it was. And uh, a lot has happened since then. But, um, you know, we owe it all to, I think, our listeners first and to our awesome team of people who have helped us, um, you know, throughout the years uh various editors uh adam day kicked ass for us for a long time and left us recently um alex uh, purcell is editing for us now annalisa did a ton of work um 
helping us out with production. Uh, I'm sure there's a million people that we're leaving out, but yeah. um, thank you really to everybody who has listened and worked on the show for over these years. And uh, I have no intention of ever stopping the show. <laughs> I just don't, I, I can't, it's my favorite thing that I do every week. I can't imagine. You're going to go out fighting, anymore. man. That's good, man. Why not? Like, what else are you going to do on your deathbed? <laughs> Bring in a microphone. Nathan's <laughs> bullshit. last show, literally. <laughs> <laughs> bullshit with me while we're on our deathbed. But whatever. I mean, it's, it's fun and yeah, it's been extremely rewarding. Please email the show help at thinkinglsat.com if you want to, uh, ask us a question or get on an agenda for a future show. Yeah. If you have questions about the demon, email help at lsatdemon.com. That was episode 300. Wow, 300 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Do not pay for law school. That is an order from your commander. Hey y'all, we're looking for teachers. Uh, you need to be a Thinking LSAT listener ideally an LSAT demon student, for sure someone who kicked ass on the LSAT, got a 99th percentile official score, wants to teach live classes on Zoom, and doesn't mind working for me. Uh, you can email me directly if you think any of that applies to you. I realize some of you are waiting for your June score. It's uh, Nathan at LSATdemon.com. We've got an unbelievably great team and uh, love for you to join it. Hi y'all, I'm Alex, the editor for the Thinking LSAT podcast. Please help us choose an opening for the coming soon LSAT Demon Daily podcast. Email daily at lsatdemon.com to let us know your favorite from selection A. Selection B. Or selection C. Thanks for the help.